Hey everyone, Lou Mavs here from the Music is Live podcast with a really important question. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Music is Life off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I record an episode, how do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen, and how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is real simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means that you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. Since I started my YouTube channel, I've been able to edit the audio on iMovie and then bump it to Anchor and distribute it on the podcast to everybody. And I still use Anchor to record audio-only podcasts. So if you always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Maz of the Music is Live podcast, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Schmackamagob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The right opinion for those who love politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Ex-Stradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Music is Live podcast. This is your host, Lou Mabs. Check out everything you need to know about the show over at musicislivepodcast.com. So if anyone knows anything about me, I love metal, I love guitars, and I love good comedy. And thankfully, I know people who know metal, guitars, and comedy. In fact, I'm going to call them right now. It's my Xbox. What? Good day, sir. Is it possible if I could talk to you about... What do you get when you cross shred guitar hero virtuosity with comedic videos that are actually entertaining? You get Shockwire. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, I'm proud to say my first Canadian musician. I met him on Instagram just randomly. I was putting guitars in my search engine and his video came up and it was one of his normal speed, slow motion videos. And I cracked up so much. I actually had to leave my office at work to go outside to uh, control myself. Normal speed! Right now, slow motion! 
doobity doo doo skibbity boppity doo bop. Hell yeah, brother. And I immediately added it to my stories. People thought, oh my God, who is this guy? I'm like, I don't know, but I got to get him on the show. He's great. His handle is Shockwire Rock. His band is Shockwire, but his name is Mr. John Witten. John, good day, sir, and welcome to Music is Life podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Doing all right. I'm glad that I called you when the hockey game wasn't on. Yeah, yeah. No, we. I, I thought the interview was yesterday, and I was like, oh, man, it's going to start the Canadians game. I got to look back and forth. But no, uh, it turns out it was today on Canada Day where nothing's going on. So that's awesome. I know better than to ever interrupt a Canadian when they're watching hockey. Especially during the finals, man. That's right. Yeah, we have uh, many people out where I live in Long Island who they cry, they cheer, they lament for the Islanders. My heart goes out to them. I but, love the uh, Islanders, too. They're such a good team. And like, I like how they came really far this year. That Islander and Boston series was one of the best series to watch this year. They'll be happy to hear you say that because, you know, Canada is <laughs> the uh, country of great hockey and great beer and great music. Yeah, well, sure. I think so. Rush is one of my favorite bands. Anyways, uh, I love April favorite. Wine and I love Helix. I, You know what? I was actually going to bring those bands up later on. I'm going to do a lightning round with you because I wanted to get the true opinion of, a, of Canadian bands from an actual Canadian himself. Sure. We're going to have fun at the end of the podcast with our lightning round. And again, thank you for joining Music is Live podcast. So Peterborough, Ontario, Canada is where you call home right now, but you're originally from Buckhorn, Ontario. Please tell me, when did music become an important factor that shaped you in your formative years? And who would you say were your earliest influences? For as long as I can remember, I was watching ACDC and Def Leppard, like the music videos. They had like the Def Leppard Historia videotape and the ACDC Who Made Who videotape. And I would just watch those over and over and over. That was as early as I remember where I liked, you know, songs with heavy guitar riffs, lots of guitar solos, big catchy choruses, and like a show where all the members are just going full tilt. So I could never relate to people looking at their shoes or anything like that, because I just grew up with just excitement. And I wanted to start playing guitar, but I got an acoustic, and I didn't really think that was cool. That never took off until many <laughs> years later when I took a course in high school to learn guitar. But yeah. Yeah, my earliest influences, which are still my favorite bands today, ACDC and Def Leppard and the Spongebob movies out. And there was Goofy Goober Rock. Ah, uh, like, yes. What is this? I almost bought the soundtrack until I found out it was I Wanna Rock by Twisted Sister. And then I found We're Not Gonna Take It. And then I found other bands and then it just opened up. And I'm like, there are more ACDCs, Def Leppard, and I didn't know about it? The radio's been playing Fall Out Boy this whole time? I've been missing out on Crocus? <laughs> You kidding me, boy? God almighty. I can relate to you so much. You well, know. I like the, the mid to late 90s pop punk where it was more like being an immature skateboarder. And then like around the early 2000s, mm -hmm. it became sad. And I just didn't want... And like the notes were sadder and the song lyrics were sadder. And I, was, I didn't like that. So I started looking and Audio Slave was out at the time. And they had Tom Morello on guitar. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like, whoa, I got to learn how to do that shredding. Growing up a kid in the 80s in their single digits and witnessing the greatest of Def Leppard as it was unraveling, yeah. 
it was, was cool. I can't relate awesome. to that. All I have is like, you know, you look at the back catalog and you pick out your favorite songs. There was no like, oh, what's going to happen after Pyromania? Or this Bring on the Heartbreak song's pretty good. What's the, what's this follow-up I keep hearing around? What's this photograph, you know? I was talking to a gentleman and he said the same thing about Metallica. He's like, you didn't know that Master of Puppets was going to come next. I'm like, I can't think that. By the way, what is your favorite Def Leppard album? I gotta ask. I am dry. No? That's my favorite! Not only is it my favorite Def Leppard album, it's my favorite album ever. Like, it's number one. For me, I'd have to say Fair Warning by Van Halen is my number one. Oh, yeah. But High and Dry is up definitely in my top 10. Yeah, that's sweet, man. Thank you. I'm glad you think High and Dry is your favorite. Like, starting with Let It Go and another hit and run, like, holy crap, what a relentless album. I am spoiled. The first time I saw Def Leppard, the first five songs were all side one of High and Dry. And I told my friend Natalie, I said, I could go home now. When did you see that? When when was that? That was Jones Beach in Wonton, New York in summer 2003. Oh, okay. That was like just before they put out Yeah or something like that. So they had like... Yeah, it was right after they released X. It was right before they released Yeah. The next and last time I saw them was when they were on tour with Journey. Unfortunately for me, a lot of the songs they played on the Yeah tour, most of them were from the show that I'd already seen. And I'm an album cut guy. I would have loved it if they played songs like Wasted or songs like Mirror Mirror or, you know, even the song on Through the Night. I would have loved to have heard that. But, you know, the casual fans don't want to hear that. They want to hear Hysteria. They want to hear Photograph. And and I get it. I love those songs. It's like the best way you can get that is to like see like a Def Leppard tribute band that like milks the two first albums definitely but i will never dissuade anyone from going to see def leppard i will tell them no go see them it is worth the money to see them you know I like definitely, five singers in the band i don't think they use backing tracks or at least you know if they did it's so unnoticeable i don't think that at all i i heard someone spread a nasty rumor like that if if it's true that they did please put it in the comments as reference but i'm still not gonna believe it you can't tell me the guys that did hysteria faked it i gotta ask you what was the first guitar and amp that you ever owned and do you still own it the guitar i don't none of my first guitars exist anymore like my current collection is like 2013 up for the most part my first guitar was actually a sunburst jackson copy by a brand called vantage and it had like one humbucker and one single coil and a 24 fret maple neck and i guess that was like the guitar that with that had the style that i stuck with i like the 24 frets and i like how it was like really sleek and stuff the first real amp I got is a Fender Champion 300, and it's just broken right now. I bought that amp because I wanted a tone that sounded like Ashpipe by Weezer. You know, I am glad to hear someone actually compliment Weezer's guitar tone because I thought it was a great tone. I still those, think it those is. Those albums are gushing with guitar tone. Like, with Rivers' as soft vocals in the, in the middle there, there's like 18 guitar tracks closing in on you, and it sounds really good. Yeah, because he came up in that era that we love and champion. I, well, he loves I, the cars. He loves the cars. But like, I remember, I think I saw a photo of him and he actually had a poster of Carlos Cavazzo and Kevin Dubrow when they were in Quiet Riot hanging in his room. And I That's was just in the like, blue album cover. That is the blue album, right. He had all the right influences. I think if he had done something right before Weezer broke, I think he would have been just as successful as that because he's a good songwriter and a great musician. Yeah, but yeah another uh, band he really likes is Cheap Trick. And Cheap Trick was not another band that had a lot of guitar drive. Oh, yeah. Rick Nielsen has to be one of the most over-the-top guitar players, and I love him for that. It's like... Oh, he's so cool. Oh, he is. I'll always picture him with the five-neck guitar. And yeah. I'm like, do you really need that? You know what? He's Rick Nielsen. He can do whatever the hell he wants. You do... I noticed have a various and and gorgeous 
assortment of guitars in your arsenal from explorers to super strats there you go one thing i noticed you definitely pick colors of your guitars that provide a nice contrast from what people preconceive as metal standard guitars yeah. what is it about the hot colors that attract you to them i was looking at guitar gear online and they were just the colors that made me go i want that you know, you never know what kind of guitar colors you want until you see a guitar you like and look at the color scheme. Going on, on the Ibanez websites early, you'd have white, which I bought at one point, and then you'd have a black and like a mahogany and like a burgundy-ish red and like a navy blue and a few transparents. And then they'd have this guitar that was bright red. And that really got my attention. Yeah, I guess, you know, in contrast to seeing like the common Les Paul or the common Stratocaster, I really drew to that. You put me to shame, sir. You got some great stuff. I, I love it. And you use them all in your videos. Yeah, I pick and choose which ones and for certain situations for like different pickups or just like I feel like using the yellow one today. And I'm like, OK, well, I've used that one too much. Now to switch it to the white one or something like that. Yeah, I haven't used the Gibson much just because I have it tuned down for something I was doing with a friend's. So it's like super calibrated to like drop C. I know you go back and forth a lot with the different bridges. Some have a Floyd Rose. Well, what happened is that I had too many Floyds and they weren't like really amazingly perfect Floyd guitars. There's a lot of licensed bridge and cheaper stuff. And I was like, I need some hardtails. I just want to be able to tune it up and go. And I got some hardtails. And then I'm like, man, I need some Floyd Roses. <laughs> so then I got the, the red Floyd Rose. And I was like, man, I forgot how fun this stuff is. I need more. And then I got the <laughs> white one. A while after that, I saw the yellow Fender in like a Long McQuaid, which is like a guitar center for Canada. And I saw the yellow one up there. And like, I really went, holy shit. And I played it, I'm like, this is, the, this is too cool, man. Like, I couldn't put it down. And that's an HM Strat, right? Yeah, not a Stratocaster, but a Strat. Yes. I don't normally like the shape of Fender headstocks, but there's something about that black color scheme and like the text that just really shapes it. <laughs> yeah, it really shapes it out to give it some attitude because I'm a pointy headstock guy. I like my six in line pointed tilted headstocks. That's cool. Because of Eddie, I love the Fender headstock, but I definitely love the pointed ones. I had a couple of LTDs at one point in my arsenal too. Those headstocks on the LTDs are dope. Yeah, it's funny because they, they made them that way, I think, to avoid a, a lawsuit from Jackson. They just pointed them in the other way. And I'm like, they look better than the Jacksons. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the early eight or like, like late 80s ESPs had like the Jackson headstock that wasn't as tilted down, but Jackson was still like, you can't do that. Nope. And um. But the headstock that they came up with, like you said, like, I don't think it's better, but it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, definitely. LTD makes good stuff. I recommend anyone who's either a beginner or intermediate or professional, just buy one. They're good. They have um, good quality. They have a lot of good parts put into them. By the way, I, I meant to compliment you. I love the fact that you have a Cinderella Night Song shirt back there. It's actually a flag banner. Oh, it's a flag banner? Yeah. Oh my God. Where'd you get that? It's by far the coolest gift an ex-girlfriend has ever gotten me. <laughs> I, uh, because <laughs> like the girls, what they don't like the hair metal that much around here, but then I show them Cinderella, like, oh, okay, this is good. I like this. It, Cinderella always gets the pass. And then I saw that, and then she bought it for me for Christmas. Like, oh, okay, cool. They got loved as a hair metal band, but I think they had more in common with like an ACDC than a Poison, you know? I mean, they had great They're songs like and great They're like meets the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and their first song, so Night Songs, is incredible. If you want to listen to good 80s hard rock, go check out Night Songs by Cinderella. You will not Just be disappointed. Just the whole thing. Start to finish. It's mm -hmm. epic. Somebody saved me. Tom Keefer is like one of the greatest singers of the era.
Yeah, I'm glad he made his return and is actually singing again. Not the way he used to, but you know what? He did his thing with Cinderella. Let him go out and do what he's doing right now. He doesn't sound the same as he did, but he sounds as good as he did. His I, tone is different, but he still does all those notes. For like the style of vocals he does, that's extremely commendable because he's one of the few people that could still do it to pitch. Yeah, definitely. Your bio stated that you were formerly the lead singer and guitarist of the band SuperQuest from 2010 to 2015. It's very funny. You had over 15,000 subs in your channel with views equating 100,000 on each video, practically. People knew about you. Can you explain what SuperQuest was all about for people watching that may not know what it is? SuperQuest was just my first band. Like, it was just me and a drummer. We started out because we like to do 80s music, so we just started carving out a style and getting some members. We did this hard rock rising thing in... In Toronto, it was, a, it, was a, it was a battle of the bands. That's when we met the manager. And the manager noticed, hey, we're funny, but how do we bring that out? So she came up with the idea of the lessons, or the, the How to Metal series, where it was like you could teach people how to play or you could, or whatever ideas we came up with, you could teach people what to do on the road or something like that. It was just very like out there. Or not very out there, just very like loose ideas. My favorite was How to Black Metal. Guys, it's John from SuperQuest and Black Metal! When you walk into a room and you see one of your band members dead on the floor, your first thought is to Instagram that shit? Well, black metal might be just up your alley. First thing you gotta do is have your guitar so loud that fucking birds explode. Next, forget everything you know about music theory. All you gotta do is pick a number between one and whatever. I will choose five and pick five notes that sound really fucking metal together. Nah, there we go. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Fuck yeah, bud. Let's do some blast beats. Ah! Oh shit, there was a bird in here. Be sure to slow the fuck down. One more thing. Make sure your recording sound calls as That was very That's funny. my personal favorite too. You know, not not all my best videos are my personal favorites. And that's one of my personal favorites. Uh, the drummer did his kind of lesson kind of thing. And then I remember one of the earliest ideas. What if I uh, do like a, had a death metal thing? When I was learning how to play death metal, all I noticed is that you tuned down and you played, everyone was playing like zero, three, two, five. They were playing those, all those notes all the time. And like the way metal sounded was more technical. Like it sounded like, a machine going in your head. I was like, wait, it's just this. Go, 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 go. So then I kind of just did it and did my jokes that nobody prior laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just went out there and my buddy just thought it was funny and he shared it to Reddit just on his page. And he's like me, he's weird. So he's got some weird friends. And then it blew up and then it just grew and grew and grew. And by the next day, by the next morning, it was at 100,000 views and we couldn't believe it. And that was and all because when, of a like, Reddit that, post? That was all because of one Reddit post from a buddy I went to high school with. He was just nice enough to post it. I, I wouldn't have, I, I don't ask anybody to share my stuff. They can do what they want. So it was very cool of him to do that. And it was just amazing how it blew up. But prior to that, we were just working on Love in an Elevator by Aerosmith. We weren't a skit band or anything like that. So the identity of me 
and the band became solidified instantly with that death metal video because everything changed after that well definitely worked out for you i mean like i said the views and the subs speak for themselves and you know as i mentioned it predates a lot of the youtube personalities who do guitar and comedy stuff like jared dines and rob scallion yeah there was a, there was a um, crazy amount of people doing funny lessons after me but they developed their own style and really took off with it in a way that i couldn't so it was really good for them i was going to ask you what did you think of when you saw these personalities do you enjoy them or do you not bother so you could allow yourself to stay creative without the possibility of being influenced by one of them to help create your ideas i just don't think about it i just stayed in my own world and just stayed playing video games and listening to music and i do get worried that hey i'm every once in a while I might run into something but then I kind of look at the general idea of how they're doing I'm like oh they can't think of slowing down and going scootily doodly doot doot they just have a different level of crazy that I have or a different like degree of crazy when you make your own content you're kind of used to it right you don't know how funny other people are going to take it and people are like saying like you I had to like breathe for a second like really (laughs) cool I mean don't die but cool (laughs) (laughs) I definitely see comedy has been uh, your thing for a long time and for me it's refreshing to see a musician doing comedic videos that are actually funny and entertaining so thank you for that what was it that inspired you regarding comedy you know most of us musicians are funny we have a crazy sense of humor and some people want to bring that out more than others And I was all for just bringing it out. We were an exciting rock band. What better way to like make that dynamic by just being funny and fun instead of being miserable or serious all the time, you know, be approachable, tell jokes, you know, make people smile, make people laugh. Yeah. Give them a reason to come back to be entertained again, if not more than they were the last time. And the songs take a life on their own when they come together with a person's identity. Definitely. But who were some of your favorite comic actors or comedians? You know what? It was more like watching The Simpsons, watching South Park, watching those shows. A lot of my humor started by getting developed by The Simpsons, but I also love like SpongeBob and Fairly Odd Parents and The Three Stooges, huge influence. So in other words, cartoony stuff, which is exactly the same stuff that I love. Somebody asked me, who would you say are the three things that make up your personality, the three characters? And I told them Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, Daffy Duck, and the Toxic Avenger. And they got it immediately. I love Daffy Duck, man. (laughs) He's one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters. He just annoyed so many people. Mm -hmm. And we go like... Like, what do I want to do if, like, I get in a fight with someone, poke him in the eyes and run away? (laughs) I love the old school crazy Daffy. When he got angry, I was just like, eh, they're just doing that to put bugs over. I grew up with both versions, so I love them, but I definitely love Daffy being Daffy. Agreed. When he he screws with Porky Pig's camping trip, that's one of the best episodes he ever does. (laughs) It's like the duck whistle. (laughs) Yeah, that was an awesome one. May 28th of this year, you posted on Instagram that at the time being made it to 3,000 followers, a huge accomplishment because as some of you know, I got my start in SuperQuest with the How To Metal series. And despite having an awesome short run, the band split up. I fought tooth and nail to get back to where I was, meeting old SQ fans along the way. Going through depression, heartbreak, I made mistakes, learned lessons and crashed minivans. And I can't be more relieved right now. I'm a big believer personally in addressing what ails us to help us move forward. And I couldn't help but feel empathy when I read this because I also myself have had certain traumas in my life that 
put me in a bad state. I'll level with you. My older brother, Mike, was the reason why I became a musician in the first place. The last time he got to see me in concert, I was playing in a Rush tribute band. And we closed with Xanadu and he said, you bested me. That was one of the last memories I had of him. It took me a long time to find peace with it. I'm okay now. I'm a lot better. Part of the reason why I do Music is Life is because... One, I want to bring musicians that I know the mainstream is ignoring and disrupt the narrative by giving them a platform to say, hey, I'm here, what I'm doing is worthwhile, and I just love promoting stuff that no one really knows about. Not because I'm trying to latch on. I don't want to be the guy that goes, hey, remember me? I want to be like, no, you know what? This guy deserves to be shown to the world because he's that damn good. And that's why I do this. Also, you know, for me, it's therapy as well because... I get to talk to like-minded musicians like you. You know, we're both guitar players. We both love the same era of music. You know, we have the same favorite Def Leppard album. So, you know, um, and I love what you do. I appreciate that a lot. No problem. I got to admit, I got a little choked up when I read that because I had been there myself. So what happened to uh, SuperQuest and what helped you move on? Pretty much going viral with one of us going viral. It almost created a division between me and the drummer. It became a competition, an unspoken competition to see who could outview the person. And it wasn't like I was competing because I still wanted to like make jokes, but I could feel that there was like this working against each other rather than coming together. We made a couple of videos where we came together and they had some good energy, but it was almost like we had better energy prior to going viral me and the drummer we were we were really close and then it kind of split us apart and then a contract came in and that was a bad for me to sign it was one of those contracts that had malicious intent behind it it was more of a well if i can't become famous then neither can he the band had split up but i had my head up because the manager who came up with the idea to help us go viral was with me so we go on to 20 we break up around christmas 2014 what a christmas week that was and then we move on to 2015 we start finding replacement members well those new members they brought a lot of drama and around the time the manager who had some demons at the time that she's now beat but at the time was also bringing some drama going mad with power so Jeez. so the there's the first gig that we had drama second gig we had more drama and then there was the third gig and drama was piling up up again i'm like thinking dude i gotta change this up i gotta do something and then the manager ends up quitting well by the way the, the dramatic members we fired them and then we kind of carried on with just whatever we had the drum machine in the back we couldn't find a drummer and the manager was like going crazy and she eventually like stepped aside and then we carried on with our own devices for three years so that whole drama thing lasted for from 2015 to 2016 new year's to new year's and we carried on for the next three years with only our own devices pretty burnt out pretty hurt pretty directionless not knowing what to do with our music not knowing what sticks and what doesn't you know, the guitar player really loved guns and roses and led zeppelin and i really loved def leppard and acdc we're trying to bring that together somehow wasn't meshing guitar player became a weed dealer it's legal now but he became a weed dealer and when you become a drug dealer you lose your mind so we lost his mind at least for a little while stopped playing guitar for a bit and the band was just really losing its edge we couldn't find a drummer the drummers we were with just weren't clicking i could feel the vibes just tearing apart and i just remember driving going fuck this band so at the end of 2018 it was we just had a meeting like you guys want to call it a day and that meeting lasted less than five minutes but we went out with a bang because we opened for canadian legends anvil no shit yeah and we're still friends and everything like that, but that was the last thing we did. When SuperQuest had its viral run in 20. 20- 
2013 going into 2014, we had opened for Helix as well. Very cool. Our last gig with that second band was with Anvil. Close the book. January 19 starts. I start up Shockwire. I start making a few songs just to carve out a style so when people visit, they know what's up. Drank a lot of beer, so I had to lose a lot of weight. (laughs) Didn't necessarily want to put my bigger face on the internet just yet. So I just kind of thought of songs and riffs, wrote down content ideas. I got started and I was doing really loud gear reviews for two minutes of me talking about guitars, but it wasn't clicking. Probably because two minutes of me screaming is too damn long. Like, I know I'm loud. Of course not. Sometimes I talk and scare myself. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there he is. Okay. Yeah, no, I did the reviews and then I was kind of like observing what people liked about Instagram or what made Instagram click and it was visual. My joke is, what's the most popular thing on Instagram right now? That's it. Tits. <laughs> so I thought, what's the equivalent of that? My Gibson Explorer. So I made this loud voiceover video of my Gibson Explorer and that started to get more traction than what I was doing before. So I was like, screw the reviews. This is easier. I just aimed the camera and then ran after. That's way easier than like having to play some blues licks. My favorite video that you did with your Explorer was you're going to try unplugged. So I've been thinking about doing an unplugged session. It was the most ridiculous thing. I don't know what happened. Musicians just like from the early, from like the 80s were doing unplugged stuff in the early 90s. Like Tesla was doing five-man acoustical jam. I remember that. At some point it was like, they're not unplugged. They're plugged in. Their acoustical guitars are plugged in. They're not unplugged. (laughs) So I thought, let's actually unplug. There's as many wires, as many wires as there were when they had plugs. Oh, dear God. Plugging into a PA, you're not really acoustic. So that's how Shockwire started. Is it all you or do you have people helping you out with it? It is all me. What's great about this whole Shockwire thing is that it's been really hard finding people to either trust or have people trust me or have people think that I'm not fucking crazy. Have people, oh, who's this guy making some shitty 80s band? It's far from shitty people. I enjoy it. And there's a lot of people that love it. And there's a lot of people that are finding it because of the dirt and going, wow, this is great you mean yeah, the, Mo- the motley, motley crew movie the motley crew movie really just opened up hair metal again for like the younger generation this is true even machine gun kelly who played tommy lee he's now gone a pop punk direction yeah it's like man he, why, why couldn't you just write those tunes like the scorpions instead of like blink 182 type stuff well he's got travis bargo with him so i guess that's a sign of things to come yeah, but anyway those two together that must mean like five million tattoos i got nothing against people that are tatted up at all some of my closest friends are sleeved ink is metal but then like too much ink is crazy i know once you start going up to the neckline past the chin on the face i'm just like what the hell like you know tommy lee's got his face tattooed now i'm just like dude you're like 60 right now really i'll say it it looks douchey there i said it anyway Do you have aspirations to eventually take Shockwire as a signed band and tour the world? Or is the YouTube channel and the recordings that you're releasing on your own kind of where you want to be? Since now artists now have the opportunity to monetize, self-publish, self-copyright, and not include middle people such as a record label. Because I tell you, back in 2003, 
I myself almost signed my name on the dotted line to a record contract, but then I read the uh, contract and it said everything from label owns the music, the image, the band name, this and that. And I'm like, I'm not signing this. I would have rather have done it on my own and succeeded or failed on my own terms than purposely set myself up to fail by leaving my life and career in someone else's hands. What are your plans? Well, I like the idea of like be- being able to like make content from home and being able to make a living doing that. But I have fans around the world in New Jersey. Jersey and Holland and Germany and stuff like that. And like, I want to play for them. I want to play a live show for them. I want to bring the loudness of Shockwire to them. I want to have a contrast with the thousands and thousands of metal bands that that vocal style. I don't want to do that. I want to sing. I want to have melody and I want to have a little bit of grit and all that. But as far as like the record label or management company thing, I'm okay with that. I just won't sign the first contract. In a perfect world, I would love to have someone with me that we can negotiate a contract where everyone's happy and everyone makes money. But I don't know how all that works. I haven't gone there yet just because, only because I haven't got to that step because only now have I gone back to where I was back then. And Ontario is still opening up because of COVID. So shows in general are still going to take a little while. But in the meantime, I know that I can play cover shows like backyard parties, play a bunch of covers and have fun doing that, making some good cash on the side as well as make content for the fans you know it'd be cool some musicians when they visit certain locations they'll have set musicians for them in those locations so that when they go perform it's like the people that they hired for the night already know the songs because they were given the set list beforehand yeah, that's maybe that's dope. something you could do i thought about that with drummers just because they're the hardest member to find aside from a singer and i'm a singer so it's easy to find a guitar player bass players are like half and half but drummers are extremely difficult to find so i've thought about that with drummers who who do like the session work or like to play with other bands Mm -hmm. i'd be like yeah here's some money learn some tunes and let's rock and roll and i'm pretty sure i would make it fun for them and it's not like and it's shot it's still a band right like you know watching acdc and def leppard it's not just one guy that was like five guys all being fully animated so it's not just the John Witten show. It's the, the Shockwire band thing would definitely have to be like four guys just going nuts. Well, if you ever do decide to come to New York and hit up local musicians to get on stage with you, I'd like to do it because I think playing with you would be fun. It's just balls out, hard rock, and it sounds fun. I try to be drama free as much as possible. The moment I get drama, I'm out. If I walk away from it, then I'm smart enough not to bring it. Well, that's really cool to hear, man, because like I do have a good following in like that New York, Pennsylvania, like New Jersey tri-state area, which mm-hmm. is fun funny because i can't i could barely get a following in canada which is strange because i i don't know if this is fact or not but i actually heard that canadian artists or canadian entertainers isn't there sort of like a rule in canada that radio stations or basically canadian press need to promote canadian artists because i remember when we used to get much music in the states there were a lot of canadian artists out there and i I realize it's because it's canadian network but every other artist was canadian whether they were on an independent label or a major label they still got time am i incorrect in that statement Uh, yeah no there was actually a staggering amount of bands that during that much music era the the 2000s to around the to the tail end of that to the 2010s there are so many canadian bands like if you're in canada and you know about this the big shiny tune cd series you flip that over you got like blink 182 and bloodhound gang 
So, and but the you know, Canadian bands, you have Treble Charger and Sum 41 and Steal My Sunshine by Len, like a lot of credible Canadian songs that are actually, that actually became part of pop culture are Canadian, yeah. Well, they just played Len Steal My Sunshine on the pop station out here in New Man, York crazy. over the weekend because I think they were just celebrating the fact that school was out. When I go to America and I hear them play a Canadian song, I'm like, that's awesome. But there's also like a staggering amount of artists that are Canadian that America doesn't play. Like I barely hear the tragically hip anywhere in the United States. But when in Canada, it's on every five minutes. I love being from the States, but even I got to admit, sometimes I think that the American tastes in music, it's so fixed. Like, for example, I just interviewed Sasha Gerstner, the guitarist from Halloween. Fans outside of America were eating it up. I remember I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm interviewing Sasha Gerstner from Halloween. She's like, great. Who's that? I'm like, crap. She's not a metalhead. You know, I mean, she grew up on pop music, especially the Motown era and the 50s doo-wop era, which is great. So she's well-rounded. So I played Halloween for her and she said, oh, wow, they're really good. And they're popular in the States. I said, that's the thing. They have a co-following in the States, but everywhere else, it's like, you can't go to a festival without seeing Halloween headline. And she never heard of them. And I think there's so many great artists that I wish people took notice of them, whether they were European or Canadian. Me being a huge Rush fan, I became a Max Webster fan. Mm. I had actually known about Helix. What was the song from 1985? Deep Cuts the Knife. I remember that. Great Uh, song. Yeah, great album. My brother had that cassette, the one that I... Uh, I need to get the away. CD back of Long Way to Heaven. A lot of my CDs lived in the van and then it got destroyed, scratched up, so I have to replace them all. And Long Way to Heaven by Helix is one of them. Actually, all my Helix needs to be replaced. Except for like <laughs> a couple, but yeah. What's another Canadian band I love? Razor, a uh, thrash metal mm-hmm. band. Great, great stuff. A lot of people in America, they, they say good things about Annihilator. A, a lot of people talk about Jeff Waters and Annihilator. I love Annihilator. Oh, my that God. That guitar tone is really, really good. So well produced. Carnival Diablos is actually my favorite one. That's got a song on it called The Rush. It's like a high octane, almost ACDC song. And I love Phil Rudd's playing. But like, you know, like the drummer was playing right in the pocket like Phil Rudd was. And yeah, I love Annihilator. I'm glad you mentioned them. Thank you. Although I heard Jeff moved to the UK. Uh, That happens sometimes. Yeah, I digress. (laughs) The recording process for your music. You said you record everything at home. Yeah. yeah. What do you use? You use Pro Tools, GarageBand or? I use one called Studio One. And then I just use like guitar plugins and bass plugins and off we go. They sound great. People are having fun with the music and the technology is there, you know, we're in a beautiful age where we don't have to like save up and go to the big studio or at least like in when it was like in the 70s in Canada you had to go to America to record something now you can make really good sounding music through plugins and stuff like that from the comfort of your own home you know musicians might go oh it's not real amps it's not real mics the general audience doesn't notice or care they just want music you're right about that i definitely notice when something sounds digital but i always say you know what though if the song is good so it may sound compressed who cares I just want good tunes. But I will say this, though. They sound great. I streamed them on Apple Music, your EP. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed. And you produce and mix and master everything yourself, too? Yeah, a lot of experience through the years of doing those two bands and making some EPs has helped. With that EP, Cheap Beer and Guitar String, which is available places. Spotify and Apple Music. It was recorded in four days. I used, like, the same mastering I used for, for, like, an earlier Shockwire thing I did. So I didn't have to think. I used a lot of the same vocal masters. Masters I did, and I just 
went into it, laid down the guitars, didn't care if it was perfect like Nickelback and didn't overthink because a lot of things, you can get caught in it when you're recording at home. You can get caught. You can get precise. You can start beating the song to death. And I've done that in the past where it takes away the original energy. I thought of just recording it before thinking too hard. In my opinion, it worked out great. Just like these three, two and a half minute songs that have the songwriting experience I've learned over the years and what people have responded to and just the mm -hmm. production style I've learned over the years. I do want to go to a producer and everything like that, but I'm freaking broke. Buy his stuff. And if he has merch, buy his merch. I'm making shirts soon and that'll be awesome. Definitely. I will buy one. I promise Sweet. you I will buy one. Sweet. I'll buy two because I'm afraid my daughter might throw up on it. So I'll buy two. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be three this month. One thing I just want to mention, you're talking about Rush and you were saying in your, in, that you did Xanadu. That's the, greatest rush song in my opinion ever i agree and that's my favorite song of all time i think it's the greatest progressive rock song of all time i think that song is so good that when i put it on and when i'm driving and the song ends i just clap yeah. i just clap <laughs> sometimes i almost cry but i clap just like that is the amazing and they have like riffs that sound like Def Leppard in there. Like, love it. That's a pretty cool comparison. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. I love the epic sound. As I mentioned, I'm a Halloween fan. My three favorite songs of all time, just songs in general, not belonging to any genre, Xanadu by Rush, Stargazer by Rainbow, and mm. Burn by T Purple. So oh, cool. I'm all about like the big epic sound. And yes, I realize that's nerdy, but I don't care what you think. You got a problem, come see me. Anyways, that's the reason why I love Shockwire, why I love the EP, because when I hear it, I think ACDC, High and Dry Era, Def Leppard, and that classic three-chord big rock sound that I grew up loving, like Van Halen. Mm -hmm. And you're Sometimes it's two chords. I just gave less flocks. I'm like, let's just do two chords. Go with that kind of... <laughs> crunchy punk kind of thing really get that bash and crash in there you know sometimes not going as complex in the right parts really makes the song punch i hear you i would like to ask though if you wanted to do something different from say shockwire would you still do it as shockwire or possibly entertain the idea of maybe reinventing the wheel as guitar players and as songwriters we go through a lot of different ideas in our head sometimes it works for one project but it may not work for your main project i'm not saying that you would just immediately switch gears and do something different immediately but i've entertained the thought of myself maybe recording like one metal song one jazz rock song just mixing it up do you hope to encapsulate any and all influence and release it as shockwire regardless of whatever it would sound like if there's a song that has like because i love sublime so i like would like to add some strat like reggae in there for some pot song you know so if there's like a song that has the tone and the attitude that fits with shockwire it goes with shockwire anything else i just make for myself but i released music before where you'd had some rock songs and you had some other songs and it kind of confused people not everyone wanted punk when they wanted metal and not everyone wanted metal when they wanted punk so i had to straighten out my style and simplify it so people could understand easily what i'm about without me screwing them around a little bit or getting everything too confused or me getting too caught up in making songs that aren't rock during the bad era of the 2015 era we were making different stuff and then there was no rock mm. and then i'm asking the manager where's the rock song and she's like, well, punk, it's got rock, it's got guitars in it. And it's like, no, 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 no. I want one, two, one, one, two, big chorus. We weren't doing that. I was spending way too long screwing with other genres when right now I'm focusing on just delivering the jugular. That's awesome. 
I just want you to know as a music fan, I'd love to hear whatever you do. What attracted me to your Instagram page was the fact that I thought you had talent and I thought you were funny. But once I got past the comedy, I was like, holy shit, this guy could really play. It just made me say, you know what? I want to hear more of what he does. I'm looking forward to more future releases from you. One thing I'm going to be doing is doing a few covers where I take like a pop song, not like modern pop, but like Miley Cyrus, something earlier, and then juice that up with guitars or some. (laughs) or some classic rock song that might be a little bit more doo woppy juice that up make it straight drums because i like doing that i like taking songs that aren't necessarily heavy metal songs that people have a connection to and making them heavy metal nice what's been the biggest takeaway for you so far in doing this for being at a band today it's really hard to just release a song and have people take it seriously we have so many years of historical significance and documentaries and biopics that anyone making music posts that you have this who do you think you are punk aspect to it so you have to make content to attract them to your music and you have to make content that goes and matches with your personality and the personality of your music and i was funny before making shockwire lyrics like funny as heavy metal flamethrower truck wouldn't have existed a few years ago because i was still trying to write seriousness lyrics about electric storms and being crazy but it wasn't clicking and then one thing hit me one day where i was inspired by the fans fighting at the end of the boston bruins and st louis blues game and fist fight after the game came it had a lot of rock and roll energy and the song just wrote itself. And I'm like, there's a formula. So I started to rebrand and sprinkle out some videos that got some attention for the Gimme Crack video. That was the first video that got attention, the Metallica video. Oh, the Gimme Crack, Gimme Crack. (laughs) Yeah, but... So there was like multiple things going on that people understood. Hey, there's guitars in the back so you can play. Hey, he likes Quiet Ride. He's knocking on the record. Hey, he's got a sense of humor. He's a fucking idiot. And then you listen to the music and it matches. So you can't just release a song. So absolutely, it's the, it's the draw. It is the draw. You have to be content creators to be in a band today if you want to get somewhere. Another one of your videos that, again, I cracked up laughing and I had to walk away from my office for five minutes was the one where you say, If you want to fire one of your band members or something like that because they suck, don't be like, hey, you're fired because that's negative energy. Instead, say, hey, hey, what's up? Congratulations. Huh? You've been promoted to audience member. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I love that one. That was based on a meme where it was just like, congratulations, you're no longer here. Congratulations, you're jobbed. You're promoted to customer. So I thought, hey, promote the band member to audience member. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Because... It was a very good one. I really wish you all the success in the world. I want to play festivals, man. Do those kick-ass three to 45-minute sets. Is Heavy Montreal still it a is. thing when COVID Yeah, no, Heavy Montreal is huge. Like, Metallica, like, headlines that one. Like, because, like, Canada, despite its size, doesn't get that many gigantic metal festivals. We get a lot of country. Mm-hmm. One of those famous country festivals is just 45 minutes away from here. But we don't get very many he- heavy metal festivals. So you have Heavy T.O., which is Toronto, and Heavy MTL, which is Heavy Montreal. Right. I think people ended up going to Heavy Montreal more, probably because they just wanted to go to Quebec. Well, also, one of my favorite independent wrestling organizations, IWS, International Wrestling Syndicate, which is operating out of uh, Montreal, they've done in between bands and things like that. They actually do matches there. I mean, they're an indie company, so it's not like anybody you'd see on WWE, but two of their biggest wrestlers actually went on to WWE, Kevin Owens when he was Kevin Steen and uh, El Generico or Sami Zayn. So I had known about this company for a while and I was like, God damn it. The Canadians have great rock music and great wrestling. So (laughs) 
I'm praising it. It's not an insult. Yeah. And what's great is that the hockey games play rock music too. So it's like, it's like hand in hand. I went and go, went to see a hockey game in Quebec and it was like a lower league, like a very unregulated league. And like the first thing I hear is I go into the arena, you shook me out, not long. And I'm like, I'm going to love this fucking game. And it was the greatest <laughs> game I've ever seen because it was unhinged violence. Cause it's not like NHL where it's like, stop fighting. It was like people finishing their checks, people hitting people in the face and refs going, I'm not getting involved in that. <laughs> So you mentioned also that you're releasing cover songs. So we definitely have more output from you to expect in the future in terms of yeah, music. Very, very, oh, very soon. And I'm, and like, I normally write music in the wintertime and release music in the wintertime. There's just something super inspiring about the snow falling, but the, the engine's already turning for, for new tunes, which is really cool. It, and like, I have so many riffs from the past that I've released and ended up getting unreleased that I can just reuse in Shockwire for brand new people to have because some of those riffs are awesome. I mentioned that your handle on social media is Shockwire Rock, but yep. if people want to know more about what you're doing, where can they find you? I guess Shockwire Rock's the best place right now. I, uh, I can't really think much else. Just the social media. I want to make my own personal profile, but it would just have like me yelling at the fridge. Nothing like relevant to music <laughs> or like okay. my personal life. It would just be like, you know, like the, the, the Shockwire videos would be me yelling at a guitar, but like the, the, the John Witten videos would just be me yelling at the fridge. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask you some of your secrets, like, you know, when you're throwing the guitars or the CDs on the floor. I'm not going to ask you what really happens to them. You know, there's nothing wrong with having an Epiphone. They're a solid brand of guitars. <laughs> Epiphones are dumb. Okay, fine. I'll just go buy four Gibsons because local music pays so well. But all I know is when you lifted the Explorer and threw it, I was like, no. <laughs> it did scare me because I do love yeah. Explorers. No, they, they all land safely. And that's the best part. Just get some trick photography. But that goes back to being inspired by the Three Stooges, how things would fall safely and nobody would get hurt. Or nothing would get hurt. And oh, like, yeah. Glass smashing sound, like the obvious dub, like. Again, all inspired by three students. Oh, good stuff. You know, sugar glass you being built as bottles and hit over Curly's head. Great stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Anyone you want to give a special shout out to? I don't know. My fans. You guys are the best. Give a shout out to you. You're the best. Oh. This is awesome. I'm just having a straight up good time. And thank I love you. It. And, I'll go and, and, and shout out to the haters, too. When you guys say you suck and you're loud, I'm like, you're quiet. Shut up. Like it's great. So I, <laughs> I love the, I love talking to the fans and I love doing interviews like this and I love replying to haters. I'm just having a wonderful time with this. Well, it shows. I love what you're doing, man. Keep it up, please. I got more and, fun stuff coming. So, and I promise I will definitely buy merch when it comes. I don't expect things for free. So cool. Thank all you. right. So before we wrap up, we're going to do a two part lightning round. All First right. part is I say a word. The first part is I say a word or term, and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Oh, shit. Okay. All right. ACDC. Thunderstruck! Who's already there? I know. Def Leppard. Oh, man. How about this, the song Let It Go? Perfect. Anvil. Anvil. Opening for Anvil and them being really high. Ah! <laughs> I have to admit, my favorite Anvil song would have to be Winged Assassins. That is such a killer song. 
My favorite one has to be Tag Team from the oh, Legend game. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. Hair Metal. 1987. Tim Hortons. Yeah, everyone just going there in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, man, they lost to a Zamboni driver! How? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not wearing my Leafs jersey when I visit my buddy in Carolina anymore. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Montreal Expos. Whoa, man, they had an arena that was sinking. <laughs> I was like, is that where the baseball team was? <laughs> Rush. And the men who hold our places must be the ones who start. All right. Triumph. Oh, man. Gil Moore is awesome. I love him as a drummer. He's a drummer singer. I'm all for that. Nice. I like him better than I like Neil Peart. I'll, I'll be for real. I love Gil Moore. That's what I mean. They're two completely different styles. I love them both. Neil is my favorite, but I love... Gil was such a powerhouse. It, sorry, Gil is a powerhouse drummer. Every time I hear "Fight the Good Fight" again, like like Xanadu, I get freaking chills. Everybody needs to play Xanadu more if they're going to play "Fight the Good Fight" that much. There you go, Degrassi Junior High. Oh my God, that's where Drake got his start. He will never be Drake to me. He will always be Jimmy. Thank that you. That show was so compelling and so well written. I had to step away from it because it was just so intense. But what a well-written show for something shot just a few, few hours down the road. Guitars. Oh, man. I like the, 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 the Gibson Explorer. I'm thinking about that right now. Eddie Van Halen. His tone. Just the way his guitar sounds. Not, not, what, not what he's playing, not what riffs he's doing. Just that sound. The brown sound. Yeah. Yeah. April Wine. I saw them and it was splendid. Molson's. Oh, I love Molson. <laughs> I love too, but Molson Triple X fucks you up so quickly. It did. It yeah. I have a couple good Molson Triple X stories that aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> Loverboy. Loving every minute of it. Loving every minute of it. Of course, notice he goes for the Robert John Mutlang produced Loverboy. Written by Robert, he was he he was already working on pour some sugar on me with Loverboy before he came up with it for Def Leppard. That's true, and you know it's funny. At the time, he was also working on Cars, Heartbeat City, and Billy Ocean's Loverboy. (laughs) Loverboy, that's funny. I just mentioned Robert John Mutlang wrote Loverboy for Billy Ocean, and he ended up working with Loverboy. What's the significance? I don't know. Stellar producer, though he's my favorite producer. Yeah, great stellar producer and songwriter. Absolutely. Yeah. Helix. Helix. Give me a trailer park boards. Give me a fucking R. You know, Helix, they, they just uh, they just don't write songs like that. You know, they, Russ just sings about, you know, trees talking to each other, different sides of your brain works, and other space bullshit. I'm not giving anyone my fucking R. Which leads me to my next one. <laughs> the trailer park boys. Holy fuck, boys. Check out these guitars. 24 frets. Look at the craftsmanship. Unbelievable. Three pickups on a two. I've never done that. I'm going to play shit on this thing. That is a damn good Bubbles impersonation. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there, Rick? Mr. Stupidy Head. 
He's fucking pissing me off. Thinks he's capping the shit liner. And by the way, your fish stick sucks. So fuck off. <laughs> All right. Last question of the of this part one of the lightning round. Nickelback. Nickelback. They, they, they that, you know, they're, they're fine. Um, I don't listen to their older stuff, but they crunched early on, and I was like into it. I was into the song "Never Again." How you remind me. I even thought that the Nickelback song on a CD compilation was the more edgy song of the compilation at the time. The song was called Breathe. Fair enough. I'm not going to hate on them. I'm not a fan, but listen, you can't, the record sales speak for themselves. People love them. People listen to them. You can't hate on it. Whether you like it or not is a personal opinion. I personally don't think they're that awful in how people really demonize them. I, yeah. I think they're still a competent sounding band. They might have lighter sounding stuff that us fist raising beer drinking metalheads might not like, but there's, there, there's more integrity than there isn't. And the sound is like cohesive and good for the mainstream. I don't have that Nickelback hate. I, I don't either. I will say never again was a good song. Absolutely. Okay. Now the second and final part of the lightning round where you have to choose one or the other. Okay, okay. So this is fun. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, okay. We're going with Roth. Good man. Gibson or Fender? We're going with one, two, three, four, five Fender products and one Gibson product. We're going with Fender. Jackson or Ibanez? Jackson, like 99 to 1. <laughs> Solid state or tube? Oh, you gotta have a tube. My black star amps, tubes. Feel that love purr, it. It's a big difference. Definitely. I don't mind solid state, but when I want that warmth, gotta go tube. Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? Brian Johnson. Really? Brian Johnson all the way. My favorite ACDC album is Fly on the Wall. You know. I respect you more now than I ever did because not that many people say fly on the wall. And I remember that. There you go. And I remember my brother buying that when it first came out and listening to that religiously. It's relentless. Like, it's not like anything ACDC's recorded before or since. The guitars are so overdriven and the songs, they take a bit of time to set in. But once they do, they're unforgettable. I have to say my favorite song on that would have to be... uh... Oh, man, it's a tie between Shaker Foundations and Hell or High Water. I'm going to have to go Hell or High Water. I love Hell or High Water. Nice. Hell or High Water! My favorite's playing with girls. Like, just, uh, it's a puncher all the way through. Not a bad song on that album. All right. Striper or Slayer? I'll go with Slayer. Okay. Ingve Malmsteen or Michelangelo Badio? Mm, that's good that's a good question Ingve probably gets the edge because he's been in like a few songs that i really enjoy um like you don't remember i'll never forget yeah that's a great more than just the shredding stuff he when he made songs with singers that's what i really liked so i liked uh, what he had to offer on the trilogy album with dark ages and you don't remember was on there and, and, and like a couple others yeah, with Mark Bowles as for, on vocals. As for Angelo, there was Nitro, but I haven't found a couple Nitro songs that click with me yet because they're pretty good beyond Freight Train. They're not as crazy, but nothing's clicked like a few Ingve Malmsteen songs have clicked in, my, in the past. 
I like what Michelangelo's doing right now. You know, like he's he's like one of the most engaging guitar players out there on on the internet. And he's when he releases songs, he actually releases like great tributes to like fallen guitar heroes like Randy Rhodes and Dimebag Daryl. And uh, I really respect him for what he's doing. But I got to give it up to Ingve myself just because like you know Alcatraz, No Parole from Rock and Roll, which is not only I think one of the best albums of the '80s, but it's one of my favorite albums of all time. You know, he's on that. And and he looked like a rock star back then. Like in the early 80s, he, he was so untouchably good le- looking rock and roll. Look. I, that was a fucked up sentence. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> Steve Vai or Joe Satriani? Hmm. Despite me screaming, Joe Satriani! I'll probably give the edge to Steve Vai. I like what he did with like the sustainer and stuff. Yeah. Like, the Fernando sustainer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like the way his guitars look better too. Randy Rhodes or Jakey Lee? I'm gonna. You're gonna. You, you, Jake. I'm going with Jake. In Aussie, Randy Rhodes. I love in Quiet Riot. You're talking about Quiet Riot, the Randy Rhodes years. You're talking about Quiet Riot one and two released in Japan only. I'm talking about one and two, but I also have Randy Rhodes years. That is where I love Randy. But when it came to Jake and Aussie. Bark at the Moon, Rock and Roll Rebel, Shot at the Dark. Those songs resonate with me more than any other Aussie-era song. Black Sabbath I, is a different story. Right. I'd have to say my, my two favorite songs that Jake did with Ozzy were Waiting for Darkness, number one. Number two, Center of Eternity. Uh, I haven't just listened the, to those yet. Just the riffage on those. They're both on Bark at the Moon. Just the riffage on those is just insane. I also like Jakey Lee's guitars better. I like his Charvels that he had more than no, the, yeah. the Flying V's. I'm not as much in the Flying V's as I am into Shredder, like strat, strat style Shredders. So mm-hmm. I definitely love those Charvels. You know, the crazy thing is that was a Fender Strat that he that Wayne Charvel modified for him and just put the Charvel name on the headstock. Well, that's really cool. I didn't know that. That's badass. Yeah. You know, he what did he do? He did the uh, the neck pickup and the bridge pickup. He inverted like the way it would look like if it was on Hendrix's guitar. They were staggered. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like the opposite way of what a right-handed guitar would do because he said, well, that's how Hendrix played because he played a right-handed upside down. Yeah. So it just sounded different. And I don't know, when he was talking all that stuff, I was just like, I I, I got to hear more. You know, <laughs> I'd love to get a, a Jakey Lee Charvel, but that it's thing costs like... when 20. a guitar player says what influenced them, and you're like, oh, I got to go back and listen to that and find out what he's talking about. Because yeah. when you hear it for the first time, it's just a song by a dude, and you don't you don't necessarily think about what is what in particular inspired them until they say it, and it's like, whoa, I gotta go check that out. You were inspired by this, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Final question: Warren D. Martini or George Lynch? Oh, Warren all the way. <laughs> nice, awesome. Well. That ends the lightning round, and that ends my questions. That was an awesome lightning round. Thank you. For Mr. John Witten of Shockwire. John, I can't thank you enough for Uh, joining me tonight uh on the podcast. And again, a simple thing like just coming upon one of your videos on Instagram, and you made a fan for life out of me. So I really appreciate that, man. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend Canada Day, man. This was this was this yes, was Happy Canada Day. Thank the day we're recording much. this is July first. Happy Canada Day. Thank you very much. 
and uh, all the best to your hockey team. <laughs> yeah, well, let's find that. But you know what? It's a great series. When I watch, because I follow the Leafs and the Flyers, so when I watch teams I don't normally follow, there's not a bias. So the violence is twice as juicy. Instead of being like, why'd you hit him? I'm like, yeah, hit him, kill him. <laughs> this Very is, cool. Yeah. Well, all right, Matt, we're going to wrap this up. So, all again, right, I just on. want to say John Witten of Shockwire. Find him on all social media accounts, Shockwire Rock. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. To find out more about the Music is Life podcast, check us out over at musicislifepodcast.com. Also, check out our parent network, ratsireview.com. There you can find podcasts as various as Beyond Bushido, which is a pro wrestling and mixed martial arts podcast. Check out Old Man Metal's Musings. Check out Vieira Vault with Ralph Vieira from Thrasher Die. Also, check out the South Park podcast, Suck My Balls. And check out... I saw you crack a smile. No, no, I'm glad. I always get people's reactions when I say suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> like some people... Who, and they're like, what? <laughs> you got me. I was like, good name. Yeah, it's it's our most popular podcast. Okay. Also check out The Right Opinion with Harrison Bergeron. And also check out The Parent Show, The Mothership Show, Routes Our Review with me and Greg and Wayne Noon. And just remember, anything you want to find out about the podcast, check us out over at musicalslivepodcast.com. Once again, John, thank you for being on the show tonight. No problem. It was a pleasure. And thank you for having me. No problem. And remember, all art is valid. Have a good night. Bye! Thank you so much for listening to the Music is Live podcast. Music is Live podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm and RatsaReview.com. Check out the other shows on Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man's Metal Musings, The Right Opinion, Suck My Balls, a South Park podcast, The Vieira Vault, and the Team Wotoki podcast. Graphics for the video portion of the show were done by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find him on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leug, and myself. If you'd like to donate to the channel, or if you're in a band and you want me to review you, then donate to my PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle, with much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, including where to find me on social media, check out musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out RatsaiReview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Ratsound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Ratsound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics, a South Park podcast called Suck My Balls, The Infinite Fringe, a watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido, Extradivarius guitarist, The Timo Tolki podcast, and The Great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatsoundReview.com or search Review on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more.